Caleb did a great job this morning. I hope to continue that. If you want to turn to Philippians 4, that's where we're going to begin tonight. If you'll pull up that first slide, Nikki. My, my lesson is entitled Enough. I hope I make sense out of it. In about 20 minutes, if you've had enough, just raise your hand. I told Bobby to let me know when he's tired of hearing it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to talk about something tonight that I really struggle with and feel a little bit inadequate to talk about. Um, It's kind of funny that I picked this topic um, because of the struggles I have with this. I hope this is something that everyone can feel like they struggle with tonight as we talk about the idea of being content and being grateful. Um, I don't don't know what it is about me, but I, I struggle with this and have been thinking a lot about this. Um, I hope I hope you're in a similar place. If not, I know that I need to hear it, so just bear with me. I want to share a story. My brother came to hear me tonight. I'm thankful for for that. He called me a while ago and wanted to share something. And you see you see these pictures of my brother, and you think he's this big professional fisherman, this big shot. Okay, he usually looks like a raccoon. He'll come into church, you know. Well, uh, I saw the the humble upbringings of this guy, okay, and me. And I remember some of our first fishing trips, and you know, just from the youngest age. Like I remember me and him both riding in my dad's rod box of the boat, which is very unsafe, by the way. There's laws against that kind of stuff. Um, some of the things we grew up doing, I look back on now, and I'm like, really? That's what we did. I remember fishing a tournament with him one night, and he's got this souped-up bass boat now, but we borrowed it. We drove to Mickey to borrow a guy's boat because we did not have one. Okay, everybody's got these big 250-horse motors, Bobby, and me and him borrow a motor. It's a 9.9 Mercury. We borrowed it, and the boat was so light, we could pick it up and, and put it in the water. Okay, so people were already laughing at us. But right after we picked up the guy's boat, we left his house, and we just thought we were becoming pro fishermen. We were about 100 yards down the road. We run over the guy's duck, okay, like his pet duck. This is an awful story. I hope it makes sense in a second. And I think about something where we're going to go tonight in the text. It kind of reminds me of this story, but... Uh, uh, he, he said now, like, think about being content. Like, nobody would want that boat anymore. We look back. Y'all may look back at your first vehicle and want it back. You may think that was the worst thing ever. I do not want that back. But I want to talk tonight about being content and to be and being grateful um, for what we have. And I, I, I do want to say that again. Like, this is something that I really, really, really struggle with. The devil has a hold on me in a sense of when I drive down the road, whether it's a house or a boat or a car or whatever, it's always easy to kind of say, well, wouldn't it be nice if we had this? Wouldn't it be nice if we lived here? Wouldn't it be nice this neighborhood, etc., etc.? I want to share a few things. I don't know if you've seen that video before. I saw that this week and thought it was worth sharing. But um, this is a little cliche. But what what if you woke up today and only had the things that you thank God for yesterday? I've seen that. I've thought about that. You usually hear that around Thanksgiving. But what, what if you did? How thankful are you? How grateful are you for what God has given you? Um, the devil closed my eyes a lot of times to what I have, and I start focusing on the few things that I don't have. And I, so many times I think, man, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. So if you're in that boat, if you struggle, if you drive down the road or you drive over the dam and you look over and you say, man, look at that house. Or look at that yacht. 
I think about some of those yachts and think, man, I couldn't afford to put gas in that thing. But anyway, you see those things, and it's always easy to say, what if, play that game. I want to read this really quick. Kind of, kind of in connection with that video that you watched. It says, why was I born at this particular time in the history of the world? Why was I born in a spotless delivery room in an American hospital instead of in a steaming shelter in the jungle of the Amazon or in the mud hut in some third world country? Why did I have the privilege of going to school with capable instructors while millions around the world without a school book sit or squat on a dirt floor deprived of adequate instruction? Why is it that our children are are tucked into warm beds at night with clean white sheets while millions of babies in the world will lie in cold rooms, many in their own filth and conditions that are neither sanitary nor safe? Why can I sit down to a warm meal whenever I want to and eat too much when millions know the, the gaunting pangs of hunger all of their lives? Why am I privileged to share in such wealth? Why me and not other millions? When I get ready to come and worship in a wonderful church building, why am I able to go to a bookshelf and decide which of my Bibles I want to carry to worship? Why was I born in a land that I didn't build, in a prosperity that I didn't create, and enjoy a freedom that I didn't establish? Why did God show favor on me? I don't know about you, but if if you've ever... Raise your hand if you've been out of the country. It, it, it's uh, mind-boggling when you go out of the country, and I haven't been to some of the poorer places in the world, but just, just going to Central America um, gives you a new perspective. And every time we come back from one of those trips, our young people are reminded for the first time a lot of times, maybe just their eyes are open to how blessed they are. Right? It's one of those things that um, you have to go somewhere to kind of come back to understand how lucky it is what you had. And some of you guys have been to Honduras. I remember going to Panama for the first time. We stayed in an abandoned school building. I remember sharing a tent with Chuck Morris, and he was snoring right next to me. Uh, I'll never forget that, but I'll never forget for the first time that I can remember having a real heartfelt prayer to God saying, God, and it was in Panama. I was 18 years old. My mom was with me. I remember one night after we got done working, I'd been scrubbing heads all day for lice. And uh, I remember for the first time really thanking God and saying, God, thank You for what You've done in my life. It took me a long time, but I got there. But I remember saying that prayer. And sometimes you have to go back to that place to be reminded of what all you have. I don't know if you're in a place in your life, but I can tell you I am, where it's easy to look around and say, well, I don't have this. Or man, it would be nice to see this. You know, you can turn on the TV and say, well, I don't look like that. My house doesn't look like that, you know. And a lot of times, I'm glad some things were shared this morning because a lot of times in church, we try to dress up and play the part, and sometimes our lives are a mess. Sometimes it's on, it's okay to be honest about those things. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 4. I want to read here uh, one of Paul's prison epistles. I'm thankful for our guys that work in the jail. I'm thankful for 20 baptisms. I went back in the back while ago and told Eddie we're going to have 21 tonight. So I don't know who you are, but come forward in a little bit, all right? I'm thankful for guys that go to the jail. I'm thankful for that ministry. I'm thankful for all the time and effort that they put into it. I can tell you that if I were in prison, I wouldn't have the attitude of Paul. Um, Turn to Philippians 4, starting in verse 12. All right. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here's that text that you hear all the time. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Your version may say, through Christ who gives you strength. Um, I love the way Paul says that. And I think this is the ESV. Um, it says, I have learned, he said, I have learned the secret of being content. Um, and there may be some people in here that really have that figured out, but if I had to guess, most of us really struggle with this idea of just being happy with what we have. Um, Man, I know I do. I know the devil has that hold as I think about what I don't have constantly, right? We've all grown up in a world where we want our parents' house, right? Right off the bat. Have you seen that? There's a reason why our country, why we're in debt. And I think we struggle with this. Being content. Is it important? Um, turn over to Luke chapter, to chapter 17. I'm talking to y'all tonight. I hope uh, I hope this is something that uh, resonates with a lot of people. Um, I think it does. Luke chapter 17. Um, this is probably the story that you think about when you think of gratefulness, being content. Um, starting in verse 11, I'm going to read it. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? I love that question. Where are the nine? Was, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think I can... Uh, I can associate myself and I feel the same way as probably those nine. Jesus comes up and He heals ten men of leprosy. Um, Not going to get into leprosy that much. We know it's a disease. We know that people were were standoffish. If you look at verse 12 of this text, as He entered a village, He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. They were so nasty they couldn't be around. Um, They had to keep their distance. Um, Jesus was really good about approaching people that he wasn't supposed to be around in so many in so many areas of ministry. Jesus cleanses these ten lepers and one returns. And there's so much speculation about where the other nine went. I don't know that it's that important, but we know that, that ten ten were ten were cleansed and one one said thank you. And I don't know about you, but doesn't it bother you when you do something for someone and you don't want any money? You just want a simple thank you. I think that's one of those words I was told a long time ago that two important phrases in marriage are thank you and I'm sorry. And I think I say I'm sorry more, Nicole, but I'm trying. Okay, but we need to get back to it. You know, just saying thank you, being thankful. Uh, I'm thankful as I look at uh, my mom in the audience tonight. I'm thankful for a godly mother, a single parent that drugged me and my brother to church. I'm thankful for that. I don't know what it is in your life, but I hope you at least think about something tonight that you're probably every day, as this guy was, waking up 
and just taking for granted. Maybe it's water. Maybe it's shelter. I don't know what it is, but I guarantee the devil's got something over your eyes to not see those things. He healed ten. One came back and said thank you. Um, I think of, you know, we're singing that song with Lindley right now every night. Ten saw bad and two saw good. It's always the few that come back with that good report. And in this situation, nine left, one stayed, and one said thank you. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Um, I don't know where your faith is, but I know where mine is in this conversation, and i got some work to do. I lost my notes here. You know, I think about the idea of these lepers, and, and uh, turn over to Romans 23.23 and 6.23 as you think about this idea of, of how dirty they were. You know, in Romans 3.23 and 6.23, we're reminded that we all fall short of the glory of God. We're also reminded um, just how dirty we are. And I think so many times it's in the church, it's so easy to, to come to church, get going through the motions, and kind of forget why we're here and what we're doing, and that we're all in the sinning business. All ten of those lepers were in the same situation, and they needed healed, they needed cleansed, and... Um, and they received it. But why did one come back? Would you be the one? Would you be the nine? I think way too many times we're the nine. I know I am. Um, I want to read this. I found this this week. And uh, anybody have a phone? You own a phone? Let me just. This is just a question. How many of y'all have an iPhone? This is a question. You got them? Okay. Some of y'all are playing on them right now. Get off this phone. All right. You know, I found this this week, and I read this during one of our staff devotionals, but Steve Jobs um, did so much for Apple, okay? Um, a lot of people didn't know he, who he was. A lot of, the common person didn't know who he was until he was gone, but we know that he was creative. We know he was a big deal. We know he was innovative in so many different things. And I, I read this. I know it's small, so I'm going to try my best to read this. But, um, you know, sometimes I don't know who you, who you look to and you say, you know what, if I could just have that, I would have it all. Right? Howard says this all the time, but the person that makes 20000 a year thinks the person that makes forty is a millionaire, right? That they're rich. So regardless of where you're at, you can always look at someone else. Um, Steve said this on his deathbed, and a lot of times people are transparent, they're honest, and um, he'd come to a place where he had everything that he could ever ask for and way, way, way beyond that. And I think it's interesting to see what he says, how he says it, um, I'll just read this. I hope you can read it. He says, I have come to the pinnacle of success in business. In the eyes of others, my life has been the symbol of success. However, apart from work, I have found little joy. Finally, my wealth is simply a fact to which I am accustomed. At this time, lying on the hospital bed and remembering all my life, I realize that all the accolades and riches of which I was once so proud of have become insignificant. And with my imminent death in the dark, when I look at green lights of the equipment for artificial respiration and feel the buzz of their mechanical sounds, I can feel the breath of my approaching death looming over me. Only now do I understand that once you accumulate enough money for the rest of your life, you have to pursue objectives that are not related to wealth. 
No, stop pursuing wealth. It can only make a person into a twisted being just like me. God has made us one way. We can feel the love in the heart of each of us and not illusions built by fame or money like I made in my life. I cannot take them with me. I can only take with me the memories that were strengthened by love. This is the true wealth that will follow you, will accompany you. He will give strength and light to go ahead. Love can travel thousands of miles and so life has no limits. Move to where you want to go. Strive to reach the goals you want to achieve. Everything is in your heart and in your hands. What is the world's most expensive bed? Was his question. And he answered by saying, the hospital bed. You, if you have money, you can hire someone to drive your car, but you cannot hire someone to take your illness that is killing you. Material things lost can be found, but one thing you can never find once you have lost it is life. Whatever stage of life where we are right now, at the end, we will have to face the day when the curtain falls. Please treasure your family, love, love for your spouse, love for your friends, treat everyone well, and stay friendly with your neighbors. And he signed off on that Steve Jobs. Um, You know, in a worldly sense, he had everything. And in so many other ways, you can just hear the talk of how empty, how empty he was. So as I think about some of the things that I would like to have, and I don't know if you've ever done this, I'm sure a lot of people can uh, relate to this, but you, there's probably something when you were growing up that you wanted to have. I asked our young people this morning, like for Christmas, they're already thinking like, man, I can't wait to get this or to get this. And I, y'all can probably remember some something one time that you got that you've held on to from your childhood. I hope you can. Um, but I remember that feeling being being young, being 12 years old, 16 years old, and wanting something, wanting something, wanting something. And when you finally get it, this empty feeling of, is that it? You know, what's next? Because once you get something, right, you get two years on it, you want something else. Um, I'm, reminded, I'm reminded so much of what God's trying to tell us and what the world's trying to tell us and the tug-of-war that's going on today um, with material things. Drive down the road and, uh, and you will see it. I, I really enjoyed what he said. Um, I want to I turn to Matthew chapter 4 next. Um, and I also want to say this. Um, the devil's good. Um, I don't think we give him that credit to what he can do, what he does to families, what he does in our mind, what he does in the world. And every day we're told that lie. I want to, talk to, I want to look at this text where the devil comes to Jesus and uh, to think about how Jesus handled this differently than say, than say we would. Uh, I grew up hearing the phrase, idle hands are the devil's workshop. We've all heard that before. You know, I think that um, discontent, ungrateful Christians are also the devil's workshop. On the same token, as you think about how, how if you're not busy, you're probably not doing the right things, that us being discontent and ungrateful, uh, just, just ask yourself that question. What kind of message does it send the world when we're not happy? When we don't have joy in our lives of where we're going. Why aren't we the happiest people in our neighborhood? Why aren't we the happiest people in the world? Then I think it's time for us to wake up and smile and enjoy life and to be happy and drive down the road singing a song and just letting people know, like, hey, we have a hope. We have a joy. Why are we not telling the world that? The devil doesn't want us happy. The devil doesn't want us responding in that way. When there's sickness in your family, 
I think there's a godly way to respond to that. Okay, when you're having a tough day, there's a godly way to respond to that. And I think evangelism can happen just through being happy. Just saying, all right, what, what drug are you on? You know, Jesus is in my life, and that's the difference. And man, what a, what a difference that can be. Matthew 4, the devil comes to Jesus in his weakest moment. I think there's a lot to be said about this text um, of, of how he comes to us. Um, and as I think about this idea and even what I'm trying to talk about tonight, um, I know if, if you're sitting in this audience and you're double my age, you know a lot more about this. But I can say this, the older I get, the better I get of kind of seeing how the devil comes at me. Okay? I'm trying to do better in that. But I'm, I'm seeing how, he's, how he gets me. I'm seeing how he comes my way. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now the devil comes at Jesus, and we know through His Word that He knows that he knows God's Word, which is more of a need for us to be spending time in God's Word. But the devil comes to Jesus at a weak time. I don't know when you're weak. Um, I know a little bit about when I'm weak, but I know and feel that the devil knows that. He came at Jesus in his weakest time, and he started offering him things of the world. And every time... The answer was the same. It is written. And he goes straight back to God's Word. If you go in our U suite, you'll see a whole wall that says it is written and it's got different phrases from God's Word of how we combat sin. We ask our young people to write down things that they're struggling with and kind of how the Bible responds to that. If you've got something that you could add to that, I'd love to fill that wall up, by the way. But when the devil comes at you, how do you go back to God's Word? I love visiting some of our older members. Um, I think if you come see our newer members, we'll have something different on our coffee table. But I love visiting some of our older members, and every time you go in on the coffee table, it's not just for decoration. They've been reading their Bible. And I think there's something to be said about that. We had lunch this week with Miss Audrey Bolin and Chief, and we asked them some questions and got to hear some really neat insight of, of how they grew up. Uh, they told us stories about picking cotton and what they were doing. And I asked Miss Audrey, uh, she's not here, is she? I asked her, I said, how many books have you read in your life? 
And she said, I'm not sure, but I can tell you that since 2008, I've read somewhere close to 681. Like she'd kept up with it. You know, and I was like, goodness gracious, I've read six. Um, but she's spending time in God's Word, you know. Like when, it, when, it, when, when the devil comes at her, I know that there's this answer because she's ready for it. You know, I think our answer would be so much different as the devil comes in our life and we're too distracted or we're too just worried with the world um, that we don't respond this way, that we don't have time to say it is written because we're sitting there in a state of just being ungrateful. Like, God, why haven't you given me this? What if we woke up every day and just thank God for something? Thank God for something that we're not accustomed to thanking Him for. Because I know, I know if you're like me, I, you know, I go to sleep, I'll be honest with you, my wife, I'm, I'm being really honest tonight. I go to sleep every night looking for a new boat. Okay? Real talk. Just like this. Scrolling through, looking for it. Looking for it. And I usually end with a prayer. And it's usually, God, please help me in this. Do I need those things? Man, we're always worried about what we need. What's next? What are we going to get? And I know I'm talking about fishing a lot. I'm kind of mad Barry stole my sermon the other night. How dare he talk about fishing, right? Um, But what happens if we're so worried about what's next and what we're going to get and we miss opportunities? I have to tell myself that. I don't know what your struggle is, um, but I know mine. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul answers... This question. Talking to young Timothy. First Timothy chapter six, verse six through ten. Paul says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. I love this text. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, there's something to be said about us waking up every day and just being happy with our plate. There's a glass up there that's half full. I don't know how full yours is, but you are where you are, and I think there's something to be said about waking up and just being thankful for having a glass, for, for having air in your lungs, for being able to walk, for being able to hear. Anybody in here ever broke any bones? had a cast on, you know, and you're like, man, how am I going to operate? You know, I never knew that my thumb was important, right? I never knew that my hand was important, that my leg was important, that those things were important. Well, they are. And if you're like me, you don't realize it until they're gone. I didn't know, I didn't know what, how good a friend George Williams was until he was gone. You know, and we, we, we don't thank each other that way because we're all kind of worried about like, what's next? What's next that we're not living in the today as Donnie talked about this morning? And we've got to start living in the right now and who's eating lunch with us today and what's going on and what needs to happen. I, I wish so bad, and I talk about that a lot. I know I talk about George a lot, but I wish so bad I could, I could just talk to him and tell him how thankful I was for his friendship. I look forward to seeing him again one day, but he, he never knew how important he was. Probably too, I was probably too busy chasing something instead of having that conversation. What about you? What conversation needs to be had? Who do you need to thank? How do we wake up every day with just being thankful to live here? We're celebrating that in our country this week. The independence that we have. 
Man, are we really thankful for that? Can you just get, or do we just get dragged down by the everyday of just like, well, I'm an American and I'm entitled to stuff, so I have it. When you go somewhere, you kind of find out how the rest of the world feels about Americans. We have a lot, and sometimes we're selfish. Sometimes we don't think about those things. So that's what Paul says about it. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to close with this text tonight. Um, some of y'all are already saying, enough. All right. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is beginning the Sermon on the Mount. Most beautiful sermon ever written and shared. Um, Look at, look at the people in, that he puts in the category of blessed are these people. Okay? Because if you're like me, when I think of people who are blessed, they aren't these people. God's Word tells us something so very different. Alright, if you're blessed, you're not in this category. Jesus says, blessed are these people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, the text goes on as he begins this. He gets into the, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. But before he does it, he breaks down this and says, blessed if you are these things. Man, poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, that's not who I think are blessed. God looks at things so different. Man looks at things a certain way. God definitely looks at it different. I want to ask you to, to, to consider these things as we break down this tonight. Maybe spend some time this week. A lot of you guys will be off. Some of you at least will be off a few days this week to maybe, think, to maybe have time to, to really comp- contemplate and to thank God for what He's given to you in your life. It could just be, it could just be me, but I think it's more that we get so busy in life that we can't slow down enough to just say, thank you, God. Thank you for being there in my life. Thank you for seeing past my imperfections. Thank you for for a Christian family. Thank you for being able to live. I'm thankful if you've ever gone up north. Sorry, Bill. If you've ever gone up north, I'm thankful to be in the south. I'm thankful we have sweet tea, okay? When you go up there and order it and they look at you funny, you're like, where are you from? You know, that's like an American thing, isn't it? I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be able to, to have the things that we have But, you know, sometimes the more that we get, the more distraction that we have. If you've ever been to, to, just for me, going to Central America and seeing some of the poorest people I've seen, um, they worship different. They praise different. They live different. And it's because they don't have a phone to play on. They don't have an iPad to play with. Right? We're so distracted. Sometimes I think we're too distracted to be grateful. We're too distracted to be content. And I'm, I'm just sharing tonight with the choir some things that I'm struggling with. And I hope you can take something from this. I hope we can really spend some time thinking this week about what we're thankful for. Because God has been good to us. Amen? God has been so good to us. And if we can't find that in our life, I think it's time we sit down and maybe just make a list this week of this is how God has showed up for me in my life. And maybe make a phone call. Maybe your mentor or your parents or somebody who brought you to church one day that you can call and have that conversation and say, thank you, my life could be so much different. My marriage, my life would be so much different if I wouldn't have had an internship one day to Mount Juliet Church of Christ where I met my wife. 
My life would be so much different if I wouldn't have married someone who, who prays with me, who loves the Lord. I'm embarrassing her and she's out of money because she gave me $20 to say that. But my, my life would be so much different. And, you know, and I hope we can think, think about those things and say, God, thank You for what You've done. Thank You for being there for me. I hope you get a chance to do that this week. Appreciate your attendance tonight. Appreciate you listening. Maybe you're here tonight. And I was blessed this morning just, just by being at worship and being there for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And maybe you're here tonight and you really struggle with, you're really struggling with something. It could be contentment. It could be something else. And you need the prayers of the church. You've never put on the Lord in baptism and you want to do that tonight. Don't leave without making those things right. The devil's so crafty and so good about putting things in front of us. But I pray that if you're here tonight and you need the prayers of the church and need any help, that you'll come as we stand and sing together. I am